Human resources, employee relations, the legal department are aligned against you. Your employer has trained for this day, the day you've become an expendable number at work. There are robust laws that may protect you, but unlike the company, you've not been drilled on how to wield them. You're playing catch-up. There are pitfalls to avoid and countermeasures to deploy that may save your job or put you in the best position to negotiate a favorable settlement. Minutes matter. Your words and actions matter even more. The Walking Papers podcast offers the first foray into learning how to turn the tables when you've been targeted at work. Knowledge is power. Let's get started. Welcome to the Walking Papers podcast. I'm your host, Robert Ingalls, and today we're going to be discussing the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. Now, a lot has changed in the world in the three weeks since we last discussed coronavirus on Episode 7. Schools are closed, non-essential businesses are closed, companies are laying off employees, and the economic fallout is impacting everyone. Recently passed by Congress, the FFCRA takes effect today and aims to address these issues and more. I'm here with employment attorney Josh Van Campen to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of the FFCRA. Welcome, Josh. Uh, thanks. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> no, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, it's a little different than we usually are. We're uh, we're remote today because the uh, you know, there's been a Mecklenburg County and the in the North Carolina has also has a stay at home for all non essential businesses, and uh, I don't think they've deemed podcasting essential businesses as far as I've heard. So, but, but law offices are apparently law offices. So, uh, are. Yeah, and everybody said uh, we lawyers were useless, so that, that makes me feel pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully on the other side, you'll gain some reputation back. Right. So, so tell me, why are we calling this the good, the bad, and the ugly? Well, um, well first of all, you know, I'm sitting on my porch uh, this morning and came up with the title, and I'm, I'm embarrassed to say that I didn't know the origin of it. So it turns out the good, the bad, and the ugly is actually one of the most iconic. They called them spaghetti westerns um that i never saw <laughs> but it's clearly in our culture and um and and also clint eastwood's in it and, and in fact this was kind of a movie in which uh clint eastwood kind of burst onto the scene um and into the genre and he's uh somebody i idolized until he talked to an empty chair um but <laughs> but um but i put that behind us and we're still going to use uh you know, his uh, movie title as a, a clip. But so what, why is it the good, the bad and the ugly? It's it, well, it's because there's parts of it that are good. There are parts of it that are bad. And and there are some ugly parts, too. Um, and it's important that our listeners know, you know, what what good parts of the law may may apply to them. Many of our listeners are going to think that they're covered by this law and probably not be. Uh, so we're going to uh, have everybody to thoroughly understand uh, what rights they might be protected or uh, be able to enjoy under this law and which ones uh, they're not, and then where the gaps are that need to be addressed moving forward. Perfect. And now we are recording this on April 1st of 2020. So this is going to be information as we understand it today. So take us through a little bit about what is going on with the Families First Coronavirus Act. Mm -hmm. Sure. Well, um, it got passed in a hurry. And, you know, a lot of times when laws are passed in a hastily, hasty fashion, uh, there, there can be some problems with it. And the other thing we know about Washington, D.C. Is, is that, you know, there are compromises that are made and, and there are lobbyists that have their hands uh, and tentacles 
in uh, the drafting of these statutes. And, uh, and as a result, so we've got some, some pretty big loopholes uh, in a law that if you read it just as a headline, you would have been doing backflips over and had been excited to, uh, to hear about. But um, the Families First Coronavirus Response Act is actually a massive statute. But as far as employment laws go, there are two acts within that law that are worth discussing. discussing. So uh, the first is the Emergency Paid Leave Act, or EPLA is what it's being called now. And really what we should call that is the two weeks paid leave act. So before anybody gets real excited about how much paid leave you get under the statute, it's two weeks you know, nothing to get overly excited about. And then there are some pretty, there are restrictions basically where that, that law doesn't apply to a large segment of the workforce. But we're going to talk about the Emergency Paid Leave Act. And then the other, the other act uh, within this larger statute is the Family Leave Expansion Act. And so this is an amendment to a law that probably a lot of listeners are familiar with, which is the uh, Family Medical Leave Act. Um, and for the first time under that statute, there's actually some paid leave that's provided to, um, you know, some segments of our population, uh, but there's also huge loopholes with that law as well. So uh, we'll get into both of those together today. Now, tell me about what is good about these laws. Sure. Oh, well, let's start first with uh, EPLA. So, uh, well, first of all, so it's two weeks paid leave. The rate of pay is, you know, not minimum wage. The rate of pay is actually whatever your uh, rate of pay is um, at your employer, uh, subject to some caps. So it's a cap of five hundred and eleven dollars per day for most people that are covered by this law, and then two thirds your normal pay rate, depending on why you're taking the leave. So, first of all, what under what circumstances can you take leave under this law? The first is, you know, so most listeners are going to be subject to a state law, basically a state or local imposed stay-at-home ordinance. And if that's the case and you are unable to work because you are subject to that isolation order, you would be entitled to receive um, paid leave. And that is regardless of whether or not you have a COVID-19 diagnosis or not. Just if you're in, not in an essential business and you're required to be at home, um, then you're entitled to this two weeks of pay. So that's the first category. Uh, the second is if you've been advised by your medical professional that you have COVID-19 and or, or may, and you've been instructed by your medical professional to self-quarantine and you're unable to work, uh, then you're entitled to uh, two weeks paid leave for that. And the other is, let's say you're experiencing symptoms, but like a lot of folks, you just haven't been able to get a doctor's appointment or a test, then you can be entitled to this two weeks leave because you're, as long as you're actively seeking medical attention at that point. You can also take leave if you're caring for someone else who has been diagnosed with COVID-19 or is quarantining pursuant to medical advice. Uh, so for example, if your son or daughter or spouse or someone like that needed help and you were, and you were taking off work, you could get two weeks paid leave for that. And then finally, a lot of listeners who are parents uh, have kids who are no longer able to physically report to work. And so they're entitled to take uh, two weeks uh, leave for that as well. Now, they're only, remember we talked about there are some instances where you get full pay for the two weeks. And then in other instances, you only get two thirds pay. You only get two thirds pay if you're caring for 
you know, your child at home because the school is closed. Um, in that instance, it's only uh, two thirds pay or if you're caring for another person. But in any of the earlier instances that we talked about, uh, you're entitled to full pay for those two weeks. So that is the, the good with the Emergency Paid Leave Act. And then um, switching over to the Family Leave Expansion Act. On that one, the good is that you, know, you can be entitled to an additional 10 weeks at two thirds of a pay rate for those folks who are at home caring for a child uh, who's unable to go to work or go to school because the school is closed or you know the daycare is closed. So remember, we talked about this large segment of people that are protected and, and entitled to two weeks paid leave. Well, the only segment that continues beyond two weeks and that is eligible to receive two-thirds pay for the next 10 weeks are the folks who are parents you know, with kids that aren't able to report to school. So we just sliced off essentially with the Family Leave Expansion Act, you know, the sick people. Uh, and does that make any sense to you or the listeners that the people that actually have been diagnosed or are in the process of being diagnosed would suddenly not meet need more than two weeks of uh, paid leave, but that was the uh, compromise that was was worked out apparently in Washington D.C. Now we've covered the good of these laws. What is what are we seeing as the bad now? Yeah, well, well, first of all, with the Emergency uh, Paid Leave Act, um, there's a huge loophole. So it only covers employ employers that have 500 or fewer employees. So I've never seen anything like this before, where essentially the largest employers in our country are given a free pass um, and don't have to provide this two weeks paid leave. Um, but employer employers with under 500 employees, uh, you know, are required to you know provide this two weeks paid leave. So that doesn't make uh, much sense to sense to me at all. But a little sliver of the good for the uh, Emergency Paid Leave Act, though, is that let's say you were only at your new job for one week, but then you're, you, know, you end up being unable to report to work for any of the reasons we talked about, you're still eligible, you know, even though you had just started that job. So that, so that part is good. But for the listeners who work for large employers, you know, a lot of you guys are going to have, let's say you work for Bank of America, for example, you know, you probably already get some paid sick leave. You may not get two weeks, but you probably have some paid sick leave, you know, in your benefits bank. But let's say you already used a week of it. And so you're down to uh, only one week of paid leave left. Uh, we all know from, you know, just learning about COVID-19 these conditions don't resolve in two weeks and you can't even get a test in two weeks. So you're going to have people that have paid leave with their employers that would have already used some and have fewer than two weeks. But what really bothers me are, are you know, how many have you, you probably don't go to the supermarket anymore, but I, I was going to supermarkets some, you know, a month ago or three weeks ago. And I would see cashiers, 18, 19, 20 years old lining up, and working. So if you work for Harris Teeter and Publix, obviously they have more than uh, 500 employees. You're probably a part-time worker and aren't entitled to any paid sick time because you're part-time, but yet you're you're left without any protection uh, in terms of being able to get this two weeks paid leave if you're 
a part-time worker for a large employer, for example, and you're not eligible. So yeah, that really bothers me. I'm sure it bothers uh, your listeners as well. And then getting back to the Family Medical uh, Family Leave Emergency Act, even for the people that are covered, you know, so let's say you're out of work, you know, you get the two weeks under the emergency paid leave, and now you want to you get paid for the additional 10 weeks. Well, guess what? The same issue applies. It depends on how large or small your employer is. So if you're working for a company that has more than 500 employees, you're not able to take that 10 weeks of additional paid leave because your kid is out of school because you're, you would just work for an employer that has too many employees. It's too big. And that doesn't make, you know, that doesn't make any sense to me. And, you know, it's fundamentally unfair. Whereas your neighborhood, let's say you have a neighborhood supermarket, uh, who's just a mom and pop shop, they've got 300 employees. They're going to have obligations to provide paid leave, but the Harris Teeters and Publix of the world are not. So that's just, uh, you know, fundamentally uh, unfair. All right. Now, when it comes to that large group of people that are falling between those cracks, what other options do they have? Well, and that's where that's where the ugly comes in. You know, they, there are two laws in the books that are worth uh, discussing. But like we talked uh, in a previous podcast, Rob, it's, you know, these laws were never passed, uh, you know, for a pandemic of this kind in mind. So one is, one is the Family Medical Leave Act. So uh, that's not a bad law by any means, but there are restrictions with it. So Family Medical Leave Act was passed in 1993 under the Clinton administration. Well, it is not paid leave. So even if you qualify for Family Medical Leave Act after you've had your two weeks of paid leave, if you're covered by the FMLA, those next 10 weeks would be unpaid. So that's a problem. On the good side, they are the employer would be obligated to pay your uh, medical benefits while you're out for those ten additional weeks, but it's unpaid leave. And most, you know, obviously, it, people are going to need that leave to be paid. Right now, it wouldn't be. The other bad part of it is, you know, a lot of your listeners are not going to be covered by the Family Medical Leave Act because of some thresholds that are in place. So one is. It only applies to employers with 50 or more employees. So, you know, right off the bat, if you're working for a small business, you're unlikely to uh, be covered by the Family Medical Leave Act. And even if you are working for a company with more than 50 employees, you still uh, may not be covered unless you have worked for that company for a year. So you have to have worked for that company for a solid year. Uh, and you also would have been obligated to have worked at least 1,250 hours within that year. So if you if you do the math on that, that averages to about 25 hours a week on average. So if you were only working for that company for 15 hours a week, you, even if you work there for more than a year, you may not be eligible because you don't work enough hours in the year. So there, once again, there's a huge segment of the population who are not covered by the Family Medical Leave Act, and it's not paid leave, which is a problem. And then the other law that's on the books that's a really robust law, if you're covered by it, is um, the Americans with Disabilities Act. But you have to be, quote unquote, disabled under that law. And the Americans with Disabilities Act generally doesn't apply to conditions that are temporary. There's no law on the books addressing whether or not COVID-19 would qualify as a disability. But in general, like influenza, 
you know, the flu is generally not covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act. So one thing that Congress could do and should do like tomorrow is amend the Americans with Disabilities Act uh, to add COVID-19 as a, as a disability. So why would we want to do that? Uh, one is anybody who's covered by the ADA is entitled to a reasonable accommodation. And a reasonable accommodation can include medical leave more than two weeks long. And so under the ADA, if you, let's say you needed to be out a full month with a COVID-19 diagnosis, if you were covered by the ADA, you'd be entitled to take that leave and also be entitled to be restored to your position. And right now, most employers are going to be pretty aggressive, you know, in the court system to try to argue that the ADA doesn't apply to them uh, for folks that have COVID-19. So uh, we could literally, Congress could act write two sentences added to the Americans with Disabilities Law, and we could fill this gap and protect a whole lot more folks. Do you think that's something that Congress might be willing to do, depending on how long this goes on? Yeah. I mean, gosh, it just seems like there's so many fires to to put out, you know, and uh, the, I'm sure they're just, you know, only so much bandwidth to deal with problems. But, you know, one of the reasons why we do these podcasts is to raise awareness about where the gaps are in enforcement. So for everybody who's stuck at home with a lot of time on your hands, <laughs> you could uh, email or call your senator or representative uh, and urge them to amend the Americans with Disabilities Act to add COVID-19 um, as a disability. Or same thing, while you're at it, you know, why not ask your congressman or senator to amend, further amend the Family Medical Leave Act to provide uh, 10 weeks paid leave for folks that have COVID-19 or recovering from COVID-19. Perfect. And we'll go ahead and link in the blog and in the show notes a uh, resource for finding out who your congressman or senator is if you wanted to contact them. That'd be great. Yeah. All right, Josh. Well, I appreciate you taking some time with us today. And for the listeners, I think it's important to remember that we are recording this during the middle of a crisis on April 1st, 2020. These laws could be changing quickly in real time, and we're going to do our best to come back here and keep you updated. But there is a chance that these laws, as we're stating them today, can become stale. So remember, never make any decisions before speaking with an attorney. All right. Take care. Congratulations for taking an important initial step in turning the tables at work. But this podcast is just an educational resource. It does not constitute legal advice and is no substitute for consulting an employment attorney about your unique situation before making legal decisions. Visit our website for more online resources and videos at www.ncemploymentattorneys.com or better yet, call 704-247-3245 for a free initial intake interview so Van Camp and Law can evaluate your case. Until next time, keep your head up and your wits about you. Congratulations for taking an important initial step in turning the tables at work. But this podcast is just an educational resource. It does not constitute legal advice and is no substitute for consulting an employment attorney about your unique situation before making legal decisions. Visit our website for more online resources and videos at www.ncemploymentattorneys.com. Or better yet, call 704-247-3245 for a free initial intake interview so Van Camp and Law can evaluate your case. Until next time, keep your head up and your wits about you.